1: Welcome back, everybody. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're set to go against the spread on this, the very final week of college football. If you count the Army-Navy game as a week of games with the college football bowl game pairings all set, we'll also talk about the upcoming NFL football card as we enter into the final quarter of the 2018 football season. And with that. I want to welcome our co-host Victor King from King Creole Sports. Victor, how was your week overall since we visited last?
2: Well, definitely take it, uh, Mark. Uh, I want to congratulate you hitting your conference championship game of the year on UAB on Saturday, of course, in underdog outright fashion, and it looks like that was part of a three and O day for you with Georgia bringing home the bacon and Fresno State as well. Uh, well played, uh, I might add. We want to thank everybody who joined us in the NFL as we hit our five-star game of the month for December, and that was on the Steelers and the Chargers game over the total in the Sunday night game. A incredible comeback by the Chargers in the second half of that game. The final score was thirty-three to thirty, and we do want to thank everybody who joined us for that game. So, overall, a pretty good weekend. Uh, we get to catch our breath a little bit here, Mark, but not for long as we're already starting the research for next week's must have publication, the Playbook College Bowl Stat Report.
1: Yeah, we're hard at work at the College Bowl Stat Report, Victor. We're looking to get that out next Wednesday, if you will, in time for the 2018 Football Bowl games. It's an absolute must have, if you're serious about the college football bowl games, a lot of great stats and facts inside the bowl report, a couple of which maybe I'll throw at our listeners here right now. Uh, In going over the college football bowl stat report, I note that there's one college football team that's favored in a bowl game that's gone up against six other bowl teams and has been out-yarded 123 yards a game in those bowl games. It happens to be Auburn, by the way. The Auburn Tigers, who have not performed well in the stats thus far this football season here. You've got another bowl favorite here that's been out-yarded 164 yards a game in a bowl game. And also, talking about bowl teams here, one bowl favorite that has been out-yarded in every game they've played. So information like this, all kinds of great stats, facts, tips, and trends, all available in the college football bowl stat report. You want to make sure you order your copy today. Go online at playbook.com and have the bowl report in your hands just in time for the upcoming football bowl games. And speaking about the bowl games, Victor, with the pairings now in, I don't think there were any real surprises with the top four seeds being what they were. Oklahoma edging out uh, what appeared to be Georgia and Ohio State in the fifth and the sixth slot. Some people thought maybe Ohio State was deserving of that fourth or fifth slot. But bottom line is they didn't make it. And this, in fact, will end up being Urban Meyer's final game as a head coach with the Ohio State Buckeyes. So a great career coming to an end for Urban Meyer. And uh, before I hand it off to you for your thoughts on Urban Meyer, the Ohio State Buckeyes, I came across this one stat that I thought was really interesting. And it's just given the fact of how... Uh, Much of an impact Urban Meyer has made in his college football career as a head coach. In his 17 years as a coach, he's only lost 22 conference games. That's absolutely amazing over a 17-year period to lose only 22 conference games. And with that, Victor, I would say that if he had only lost 21 conference games, perhaps he'd be in the college football playoffs this year.
2: Definitely. uh, One thing we know about him is that he's a great, great uh, coach and team to wager on A in ball games, B with the, uh, uh, rest in the regular season. And I'm sure that uh, a lot of people will look at this uh, final game and probably lay the points with the Buckeyes. Uh, again, uh, when he has time to prepare, he's been one of the most profitable coaches in history. And it is kind of interesting that prior to the announcement, the Buckeyes open up as, oh, about a four-and-a-half-point favorite against Washington in the Rose Bowl. And in the 48 hours or so since that announcement, the line has indeed gone up. Uh, the Buckeyes are getting money. They're somewhere around six. It wouldn't be surprised me if they're laying up to seven points by the time that game kicks off. So uh, that uh, retirement announcement has uh, encouraged even more Buckeye early money in the Rose Bowl.
1: It sure has, and I can understand why. Uh, The only question I ask is you have to make sure you understand what you're going up against and laying that money. The Washington Huskies, a football team that closed really well to end the football season. They struggled in the middle of the season, but they closed out in pretty strong fashion to make it to the Rose Bowl, and they were odds on choice to not only win the Pac-12 championship this year, but to possibly even make it to the college football playoffs. So the bottom line is that Rose Bowl will be one dandy of a college football bowl mm-hmm. game. Another bowl game that will be interesting, Victor, will be what happens uh, with the high, uh, with the Alabama Oklahoma game. That game ends up being uh, the game that will feature the two leading Heisman Trophy candidates as we go into this weekend. With three quarterbacks all scheduled to be in New York this weekend, the two leading candidates, those being right now as we speak, Kyler Murray from Oklahoma. Tua Tonga viola from Alabama and Dwayne Haskins from Ohio State. And, Victor, there's been a big change in the Heisman Trophy odds of late. All year long, Tonga viola was odds-on to win this thing. And now, heading into this weekend, it looks like Kyler Murray is the favorite.
2: Yeah, not the best time to play your worst game of the season. Um, you know, we're, we're seeing that Tua were, was a big favorite of anywhere from 4-1 to one odds in Week 12 five to one odds after week 11. And of course, after last weekend's results in which he suffered that injury, didn't look particularly good in the first half. Anyway, all of a sudden we've got a new favorite. It is Kyler Murray. He's anywhere from a buck 50 to about a buck 80 favorite. He had a usual, very good game in the championship game against Texas. So again, not the best timing in the world. Uh, as far as I know, ever. Everybody who does vote in the Heisman had to have their votes in by this last Monday, just a couple of days ago. And it looks like the kid from Oklahoma, uh, again, is the odds on favor right now. It's fantastic that they'll be playing each other in the uh, Orange Bowl game. And heck if you like a lot of points, that's definitely the game for you. It's the highest over under of all the bowl games at 79 and a half wow. when Oklahoma <laughs> takes on Alabama and, um, as long as we're on the high over underlines in the bowls, I'll throw out three more. Where if you like offensive scoring, these should be pretty high scoring. West Virginia against Syracuse in the Camping World Bowl. The over underline for that game is seventy four and a half. The next highest line would be the Birmingham Bowl in which Wake Forest has taken on Memphis in the over-under line of 73 and a half. And then finally in the Liberty Bowl, another game with a high over-under line that should be exciting if you like offensive football, Missouri against Oklahoma State in the Liberty Bowl with an over-under line of 72.
1: Victor highlighting some of the high over-under totals that we'll be seeing in the college football bowl games this year. And one thing we won't be seeing in the college football playoffs this year is the presence of the Georgia Bulldogs who found a way to choke out their game oh, yes. against Alabama in the Southeast Conference. We'll go a little, We'll do a little back and forth on this, Victor. Let's just imagine that you are Alabama head coach Nick Saban. I am Georgia head coach Kirby Smart. And I'm asking you, or you're asking me, Kirby Smart, what on earth were you thinking in going for a fake fourth down late in the football game when you had Alabama pinned deep? What on earth, Victor? Do you think were Kirby Smart's thoughts in that situation?
2: I have no idea. It's that, that's not the best time to uh, uh, pull out the trickery. What? Three and a half minutes left. Fourth and eleven. Ball right around midfield. A tie game, twenty-eight to twenty-eight. Best case scenario: you you uh, kick a very good punch. You pin Alabama back inside the ten yard line. You make him work to get the midfield and a few yards, few yards uh, further for a field goal attempt or a potential touchdown. This is one of those things that he is going to be second-guessed throughout the entire offseason here, and I'm sure he's going to be crucified a little bit down there in the state of Georgia.
1: Well, if I'm Kirby Smart, I'm telling you, Victor, that there's only a few very rare opportunity of times you're going to be able to beat Alabama, and in big football games like we see often in the Southeast Conference Championship games, there are often trick plays it kind of didn't, it came as a surprise in the timing of the game, but just given the fact that we've seen so many trick plays in the Southeast Conference Championship games, it wasn't all that startling. I just questioned the time and the staging of the game in which he did it. Right. Uh, you know, it goes hand in hand with uh, the opportunity of why do you even consider opening the door for the possibility to let your opponent into the football game, and that's exactly what Kirby Smart did in that particular situation. So we'll find out whether or not he can get his troops pumped up back up for a bowl game. It's going to be a little bit doubtful in my mind. It's one of the bowl games. Talk about some of these initial observations we have in the bowl games. But you take a look, my goodness, at this Georgia-Texas game, which will be the Sugar Bowl, a great matchup here. And you have to wonder uh, whether or not Kirby Smart will be able to get the Georgia Bulldogs up for that game against Texas, as opposed to playing for and in the college football playoffs where they've been a mainstay, the Georgia Bulldogs. So I'm going to see, I expect only Victor that that number is going to end up coming a little bit to Texas. It opened up at 10 and a half. There's 11. And I think that game's going to close out a little bit less than, double-digit favorite for the Georgia Bulldogs. One other quick observation on my part, Victor, I'll hand it off to you with these college football bowl pairings. And this is before we get knee-deep into the college football bowl stat report where all of what we do will come out of this college football bowl report once we get this puppy put to bed. Uh, One of my initial thoughts is uh, I don't oftentimes question the odds maker on his setting of the lines. We just handicap the games and the lines that he puts out but I'm scratching my head a little bit, maybe because we're down here in South Florida. We have maybe a a little bit of a handle on the Miami of Florida Hurricanes, but I'm wondering, Victor, what is Miami of Florida doing favored over Wisconsin in the pinstripe bowl?
2: A little bit perplexing. I would agree with that. Uh, A very good Wisconsin team, not quite the best season that they've had the last few years, but uh, my take on that game is, uh, the dog is probably the play in that game, also given the fact that the over underline is so low. It's one of the uh, co- four college football bowl games with the lowest over underline of 47. Uh, as long as we're out there, the lowest line, and this is a low line, 40 and a half in an NFL game, let alone a college football game, but that would be TCU taking on Cal in the Cheese It Bowl with the lowest over underline of all the bowl games at 40 and a half. The, another bowl game that's going to be played down here in South Florida is the Boca Raton Bowl. The over-under line is a very low 43.5 with Northern Illinois from the MAC taking on UAB. And then finally, the fourth lowest over-under line, the Outback Bowl, Iowa taking on Mississippi State. A couple of very good defenses. The over-under line, 44.5. My final college football bowl observation, Mark, I got to throw this out. When I saw the matchup of the Peach Bowl, I was shocked. Michigan facing Florida again. Are you kidding me? This is going to be the (laughs) third time in four seasons that these two teams have faced each other. They played each other in the 2015 Citrus Bowl, and then they played each other in game one of the regular season in 2017. I think that's a little bit old hat there, Michigan facing Florida again.
1: Well, the good news for Michigan in that game is one simple thing, Victor. There'll be no Urban Meyer for the Florida Gators for Jim Harbaugh (laughs) they have to go up against (laughs) moving forward here. So Jim Harbaugh's career at Michigan may end up making a U-turn with Urban Meyer making this announcement that he's going to be retiring. But bottom line here is there's a lot to talk about the college football bowl games. And we'll be doing just that in our next edition here of Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. When we get our college bowls debt report in our hands, we'll be breaking that down a whole lot more like I say, next week, beginning with the college football bowl stat report. With that, let's switch it over to the National Football League side of things, where the playoff picture, Victor, we're getting down to the what they call the fourth quarter of the National Football League season. Four more games remaining in the regular season here. And a little bit surprising as they tear down this playoff picture here, we're finding the third seed on both the AFC and the NFC side of the playoffs are the Houston Texans and the Chicago Bears. And it's two rather really surprising football teams that were nowhere to be seen last football season but have reemerged this year. Victor, your take on the college or the NFL football playoff picture here, especially the Houston and the Chicago upstart teams this year.
2: Well, you're definitely going to take your hat off to both of these teams. Houston is on this incredible winning streak. Chicago had looked very, very good heading into last weekend's game against the Giants, and they couldn't quite punch the ticket against New York losing in overtime 30 to 27 in terms of the playoff picture. It looks like in the AFC, uh, the, the division winners are almost all settled. At least they are in the East with the, with the nine and three record and the Houston team, you just mentioned with a nine and three record. It looks like KC and the LA chargers will both be in the playoffs 10 and two, nine and three respectively. Uh, Based on their win last week on the road, let's not count out the Baltimore Ravens either. The fact that Pittsburgh lost that shocking game at home means that that race is now separated by only a half of game. Pittsburgh 7-4-1, and one, Baltimore 7-5. and five. So the real uh, uncertain thing in the AFC is who is going to make the wild card. You got uh, a handful of teams who are still 6-6 six and six and right in the hunt. Denver, Indianapolis, Tennessee, and I can include the Miami Dolphins but realistically we probably shouldn't. And then of course in the NFC conference you got to like that it's a really tight race down in the NFC East mark Dallas your leader right now at 7 and 5, but both the Eagles and the Washington Redskins at 6 and 6 only one game back and again it looks like the wild card race will be between those two teams. Minnesota at 6-5 and 1 Carolina at 6-6, six six, a front runner right now, Seattle at 7-5. One more thing I want to add before I throw it back to you, Mark, is that Washington Redskins right now are desperate for a quarterback. You saw what happened in the Monday night game. Colt McCoy out for the year. Mark Sanchez, a guy who had been with the team less than six days, didn't look very good. Here you got a team <laughs> that's desperate for a quarterback, and yet – there's a guy out there with experience who's been to a Super Bowl, who appears to have been blackball from the league. I'm not going to get into politics, but it sure would make a lot of sense to see a guy named Colin Kaepernick in a Redskin uniform.
1: Well, there's been some talk about that Victor happening and, uh, uh, Jay Gruden addressed that. I noticed in the USA Today made the comment that had uh, the situation occurred at the beginning of the season, they would have likely given a longer look to that. But uh, be, being the timing, they're going to pass on that. But he is definitely being blackballed. There's no question about that. Uh, also, he also made the comment uh, about some ability. Yes, the experience is there. But boy, oh boy, you look inside of his performance in the later part of his career. He really tapered off that Kaepernick. I think he was 1-9 yes, as well his last 10 football games. But again, that was with San Francisco, a team that was in a rebuild mode. So, you know, there's some cases to be made for and against, but rest assured, you will see the Washington Redskins, uh, I think, uh, in the off season here, in the free agent quarterback or if not the NFL quarterback draft. I realize Alex Smith is their quarterback and they'll be uh, putting all their marbles on him with a healthy Alex Smith next football season here. But very rare do you find a team that loses two quarterbacks with broken legs in three weeks and a tip of the hat to the Washington Redskins on at least being competitive and staying in the race. Before we go to our first commercial break here, one quick note here, Victor, from our friends, Steve Crabb, the Texas Tornado, in an update that he sends us, a great update here. He also highlighted the fact that uh, a point that we called out last week about how well one of the most hidden stats in the National Football League continues to fare well and keep winning money. And that's uh, each team's rushing average attempts per game in the National Football League. If you run the ball with a healthy amount of attempts and you're playing a team that refuses to run the ball with a low amount of attempts, you dominate the game. You also beat the spread in those football games. Uh, last week, the top uh, th- those top teams were again big money winners. Here, you're going to feature two teams this particular week. One at home, ranked second in rushing or er, rushing attempts per game, against a team that's dead last on the road. That's Seattle against Minnesota. It'll be interesting to see how that sh- shakes out because I have some thoughts on the Minnesota Vikings in that football game as a handicap. Also, take a look here about. Teams with defenses, the top six defenses, we talked about it last week. They went 5-1 and one again to the spread last week. The top six defenses this week are, number one, Baltimore, Buffalo, Jacksonville, Dallas, Chicago, and Minnesota. Minnesota's defense will tie into Seattle in that rushing attempts per game scenario. So it'll be interesting to see how that Minnesota-Seattle game shakes out this Sunday. With that, we're going to go to our first break here. And when we come back, Victor and I, we're going to tear apart our college football game of the week. The only game on the college football card, it's our annual Army Navy take. We'll do that and a whole lot more when we come back here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread.
0: If your goal is to become a winner at sports wagering, then the all-new Sports Data University is just for you. You can learn responsible sports wagering in live classes and free courses from the world's sharpest sports wagering instructors, such as Mark Lawrence, Victor King, Andy Isco, and an array of other top experts. Join live classes and ask questions you want answers to. Listen, learn, and watch at Sports Data University. Visit today at SportsData.com. That's SportsData University. Located at SportsData.com.
1: Welcome back, everybody. Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're going against the spread on this week's College and Pro Football Cards. It's time for our College Football Game of the Week. It's the annual Army-Navy football rivalry, and with that, I'm going to hand it off to Victor King with a tear in my eye, if for no other reason, just the fact that the Army-Navy game signals the official end to the football season each and every year. I hate to see that happen, but the college football bowl games upcoming will satisfy our palate, at least in the meantime. But Victor, your take when military matters, when Army takes on Navy this Saturday.
2: Well from an over under perspective we have talked about this game numerous times over the years on the podcast and uh, I know from personal experience that betting the under in this game has been almost like printing free money. I don't throw the word lock around very often but military teams playing each other they don't run up the score. They're run oriented offenses. Each play takes an average of 35 to 45 seconds. And the under has historically been the play again for the first time in at least 10 years. The odds makers have wised up and they're at least making you think a little bit before pulling the trigger on the Army-Navy game under the total. I say that looking at the over-under line, Mark. We know that the Army is favored by about a touchdown in this game. And kudos to them, Mark. This is the first time in my... uh, uh, in my database research, that they had been favored in this game, I believe, since 2001. But we talk about over-unders here, and the line opened at 42.5 as we record the podcast here on Wednesday morning. It's fallen all the way down to 39.5. Now, you think 39.5 is low in an NFL game? In a college football game, man, oh, man, that is really, really low. Now, we don't blame them. Because each of the last 10 meetings in this series have indeed gone under the total. Again, it's like I say, it's like printing free money, betting Army-Navy under the total. The average line, however, though, in this series has been 49.3. That's been the average line. This week's line is 10 points lower. The average score between these two teams in the last 10 meetings 35.1. The average game has gone under by more than two touchdowns by 14.2 points per game. Last year's meeting, 27 total points. In 2016, 38. In 2015, 38. In 2014, 27. So that's been your total points scored between these two in the last four meetings yeah, they're all below this year's over-under line of 39.5. But again, for the first time in a long time, they're making you think before pulling the trigger. Uh, this year, Army comes in 6-5 and five over-under. Their average game has gone under by about a point. Navy's been a decent over-team this year, 7-5 and five over-under. Their average game has gone over by 5.5 points. Uh, naturally, Army's uh, lowest over underline prior to this game this season was against the other military four, Air Force, in which the over underline was 42 points. Final score was 17 to 14. It went under by 11. Same thing for Navy. Prior to this week's game, their lowest over underline of the season was against uh, Air Force as well, a fellow military foe. It was 47, and that game went under by five points. Of course, Navy losing to uh, the cadets 35 to 7. Again, it went under by five. Uh, From a total's perspective, Army's done something that only one other team has done this season in college football, and that is went under against Oklahoma in the regular season. You know, the Sooners went 10-2 over under in their regular season. Their only other under was against Kansas State. But you saw what Army did against them. They took Oklahoma into overtime uh, in Oklahoma, a game that, again, did go under the total. So that says a lot about Army when you can hold Oklahoma to uh, an under total. Of course, both teams, Mark, are run-oriented. Navy at 5.38 yards per play in the season. That's only number 94 in the country. Army, 5.28 yards per play. That's number 102 in the country. Uh, We'll say this about Army, though. When they have chosen to pass this season, it's been rare, but they've been incredibly efficient. 10.5 yards per pass attempt this season. That's third highest in all of college football, right behind Oklahoma and Alabama. Well, you know which way we're going in this game. It's going to be under or pass, Mark. Again, the line is really, really low. Uh, There's no value. Our margin for error is extremely low. There's uh, no meat on the bone in terms of value, but we'll lean to the under. It's not the automatic play that it was in each of the last 10 years, but we'll still lean to the under, hoping for a score somewhere around 34 to 37 points.
1: That free money window is closed in this Army-Navy football game with the total shrinking each and every year because of the continual unders in the football game. Nonetheless, Victor outlines the reason to play the under in the game. Just like he says, no meat on the bone, not enough value in the game. He'll lean under the total in that football game. Both of these two teams bring in top-ranked rushing offenses, number three for Navy, number two for Army in the game, which means they just continue to pound the ball down each other's throat, as Victor outlined in this game here, making it for a short clock in the contest here. Navy comes into the game here playing with double revenge. They've taken losses each of the last two years in a row against Army. It's been a long, long while since Navy's taken three consecutive losses to Army in this military rivalry matchup here. And in fact, in the series, if you take a look at Navy, they're 9-3-1 to the spread when they come into the game with a win percentage of 300 or less on the season here. Army comes in here under Jeff Monkin. They've struggled as favorites against losing teams. They're only 5-11 to the spread, including 0-7 to the spread in that role from Game 7 on out. Army is also just 3-17 and 17 to the spread when they're favored by three or more points against teams that have revenge against them. They have this bowl bid into the, the Arm Forces Bowl in their back pocket does Army here. This is Navy, a football team that's been favored 16 games in a row in the series and now is reverting to the underdog. This will be Navy's bowl game. You can rest assured that they'll be playing this like a bowl game. With that, I'll take the points with Navy against Army. In this military matchup on Saturday. Don't go away, guys. When Victor and I come back, we're going to tear up our National Football League game of the week. we got a beauty on tap in the NFC Conference. We'll also hop out to Las Vegas and check on the Vegas vibe from our good friend Andy Isco from the LogicalApproach.com in Vegas when we're back with more here on Mark Lawrence against the spread.
0: All new Playbucks tokens are here.
3: The only football newsletter in America devoted exclusively to NFL over-under totals. The totals tip sheet is a must-read if you're serious about adding extra income to your bankroll this football season. Get exclusive insight on the overs and unders from Victor King. The NFL totals guru at playbook.com. The totals tip sheet has got you totally covered this football season. It's the best reference source of its kind in the nation. Get your totals tip sheet today at playbook.com and enjoy the winners.
1: Welcome back, everybody. Mark Lawrence along with Victor King as we go against the spread in this week's College and Pro Football Cards. It's time once again for our weekly NFL Game of the Week, and we've got a beauty on tap in the NFC East Division when the Red Hot Dallas Cowboys host the slumping Philadelphia Eagles. Victor, your take on the Cowboys and the Eagles this Sunday
2: well we're definitely going under the total in this game in the NFC East division and uh if you ask me mark this is the uh newest black and blue division of the NFL it used to be the NFC North being the black and blue division and i say that because three out of four teams in the division are right around 500 uh three out of four teams have very good defenses Uh, All teams in the division, none of them are averaging 22 or more points on the season on offense. I think it's kind of surprising that the highest scoring team in the division is actually the team that's in last place, the New York Giants. But again, we're talking Dallas and Philadelphia here. The over-under line somewhere around 43 points. I think there's some value. There's a good chance this game finishes somewhere in the 37 to 41 range. And again, yeah, we're talking about some decent under teams, Dallas five and seven over under on the season, averaging only 20.6 on offense, allowing 18.6 on defense. That's very low, and I'll get to that in a minute. Philadelphia Eagles are actually the second best or tied for the second best under team in the league for the season at four and eight tied with the surprising New England Patriots. And again, if, uh, we all know that Baltimore is the number one scoring defense in the season, the Ravens. But who's number two? You might think maybe Chicago, maybe the Chargers, maybe Houston, maybe Jacksonville. No, 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 no. Dallas Cowboys are allowing only 18.6 points per game. And let's not forget how impressive they looked last Thursday night. They just held the number one scoring offense in the Saints so only 10 points and 176 total yards. Not only that, but they're getting back my man. I only consider Dallas unders when Sean Lee is playing. He's that dominant. He's that quarterback who plays the linebacker position. He's going to be back this week for the Dallas Cowboys. Now, on the flip side, as I just mentioned, Mark, Philly's defense, they're no slouch either. They just held Washington to, what, 13 points last Monday And that really should have been six points because there was a fluke 90-yard Adrian Peterson touchdown run. So really, you take away that, and they did an outstanding job against Washington. Now, what we know about this series is that in the last four meetings between the Eagles and the Cowboys, the average combined points is only 34.8. Uh, from the database, one of the reasons that I like this game under the total is Dallas is in one of those situations where they go from a big home dog to a home favorite in consecutive weeks. They were a touchdown dog last week against the Saints, and now they're laying points against the Phillies. And I've talked about this a couple of times on the show in previous years. Uh, this is a situation that's gone 9-26 and 26 over under including 1 and 13 in the last 10 years. Home favorites of three or more who were a big home dog of seven or more the previous week. For some reason, it tells you to go under the next week. Dallas qualifies in that uh, situation. Of course, for the Traveling Eagles, this will be their third straight division game in a row. They've played the Giants. they played the Redskins in each of the last two weeks. That's a good under situation as well, according to our database. NFL teams in this spot have gone 1-11 and over-under in the last two years. Uh, I think we've got a potential battle of field goals here. Red zone stats, studying red zone stats can be very helpful, very beneficial to over-under betters. We want to take a look at teams, how they do offensively in the red zone. Do they have a high touchdown TD percentage? Do they have a low one? If they have a high one, then uh, chances are the game has better potential for going over. If they have a low red zone percentage, it the, it leads to more field goal attempts. And, of course, underbetters love seeing field goal attempts rather than touchdowns. Neither of these teams is effective on offense. Philadelphia. 55% red zone TD percentage, that's number 19 in the league. Dallas, number 26 in the league at only 48%. That means every time Dallas gets down there to that 20-yard line or less area, they get a touchdown less than half of the time. And both are great Defenses in the red zone as well, Mark. That means once their opponent gets in there, the defenses tighten up. They lead to more field goal attempts than touchdowns. Dallas is number three on the season and defensive red zone TD percentage. Philadelphia is number four. You know which way we're going. The number right now is 43. We've got uh, three to four points of value. We're going to take that Dallas-Philadelphia game in Big D on Sunday afternoon and go under the total.
1: Victor goes under the total in the Philadelphia Dallas matchup this Sunday, a big crucial NFC East Division battle with the winner taking over first place in the NFC East Division here. So it's a big game for both football teams. The Philadelphia Eagles obviously suffering from the pangs of being the defending Super Bowl champions, being the number one team on most teams' schedule thus far this season here. A lot of injury situations have occurred for this football team. A lot of personnel changes have happened both on the field and in the coaching staff. The coaching staff changes, I think, have really been the largest factor of the reasons why the Philadelphia Eagles are nowhere close this year to what they were last year. And in fact, The string will continue. There's been no repeat champion in the NFC East division since 2005, unless the Philadelphia Eagles win this football game and continue to keep winning forward. So that's what they'll be looking to do is overcome that 2005 record of no repeat champion in the NFC East. The defending Super Bowl champions have been spectacular as underdogs when they're taking on opponents that come in up back to back, straight up and point spread wins. They're 20. Six and one tie against the spread in those 27 games in this particular role, including seven one-and-one one in division games as division road dogs in this role. The Dallas Cowboys come in here just 3-13 and 13 to the spread the last 16 games at home in this series when Philadelphia enters with a 500 or less record in the game. We've harped on the fact about Jason Garrett being the worst head coach in the National Football League when laying points at home. It's because he is. He's 16-33 to the spread as a home favorite in his career, which is pathetic. You don't usually find records extending that long because coaches that are that bad end up not being coaches for a, much of a lifespan. But yet Jason Garrett still continues to coach the Dallas Cowboys with his 16-33 and 33 spread record at home as a favorite. And in fact, in those games when the opponent comes in off a win, he's just 5-19 and 19 to the number. Inside those numbers, Jason Garrett, in the month of December at home, laying points just 2-8 and eight to the spread in his career, 0-4 in division games. Philadelphia also falls into our awesome angle in the Playbook Football newsletter this week, which is a pretty neat little awesome angle. If you haven't got the newsletter here, you want to check it out. 500 teams, 6-6 six and six teams in Game 13 of the NFL season that were a playoff team last year and are taking on division opponents coming off a win our 10-1 and one against the spread since 1990 in this role. That supports the Philadelphia Eagles, and so too will I in this game. I'll take the points with Philadelphia for my side in this big football matchup on Sunday. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And with that, let's hop out to Las Vegas and visit with our good friend Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas for one of our favorite segments. Andy, how's everything going for you in Vegas this holiday season?
4: Mark, everything is gearing up nicely for the uh, stretch run. We're into the final quarter of the NFL season. We know all the bowl matchups that lead to the championship game in January. It's an exciting time as uh, we waited all season long for this, this season that's gone by very, very quickly, but we're now at the payoff point.
1: Andy, you mentioned uh, uh, about the college football bowl pairings being here. Victor and I hit on this at the beginning of the show Uh, Your quick observation on anything that caught your eye with the college bowl pairings that you thought maybe were a little bit eyebrow raising uh, from what you anticipated as to what you saw. Any quick observations what you saw on the bowl pairings?
4: Nothing that really, uh, truly was surprising to me. Uh, We know that so many of these bowl matchups now are relatively uh, set as far as which conference will be represented in which bowl, uh, depending upon where they finish in the regular season. There's a little bit of maneuvering around as far as uh, teams in certain locations perhaps wanting to be at certain sites, etc. The the main thing with the college football playoff, the four teams that I thought would be there – Uh, Were indeed there. Obviously, the first uh, three—Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame—were were were, were no-brainers. Then, when it came down to deciding between the uh, the other three, what I did like was the fact that, uh, unlike last year, we do not have two teams from the same conference. Last year, of course, we had Georgia. (coughs) (coughs) Excuse me, and Alabama. Uh, Whether it came down to Ohio State and Oklahoma, I felt Oklahoma would be a little bit more deserving. And again, I do it a little bit differently. The committee likes to look at the quality of wins. I prefer to look at the magnitude of the losses, and certainly uh, the loss that Oklahoma had in the regular season, which had an opportunity to and successfully did defend or, or gain an aven- avenge uh, against Texas, uh, perhaps was one of the deciding factors. So I think those four teams, uh, notwithstanding my overall reservations about the current format uh, of, the, of what they call the playoff, it's truly an invitational, as we discussed last week. I think they got the four teams that deserve to be there. Uh, Anytime you use subjective criteria in an exercise that is more deserving of being totally objective, you're going to have debates. But I think with three unbeaten teams, it was uh, very difficult to really mess this up this year.
1: Well, Andy, I set that up uh, basically because of what you reported in your football newsletter this week about the need for a— change for a real playoff in the college football playoffs here and uh, I'm going to advise our listeners out there to download a copy of Andy's newsletter this week to find out all the details about such that. As you mentioned in your newsletter, Andy, you've called out the fact that this 2018 Bowl season now finds a total of 14 teams (laughs) that had six losses in the season, 12 of them, six and six football teams. Is there any remedy you see, Andy, for either, uh, either I know we're not going to shorten up the bowl season here because television won't allow that. But any remedy you find here in regard to either what you call a real playoff or making these football bowl games a little bit more television worthy?
4: Well, yeah, absolutely, Mark. I mean, we could uh, discuss it for hours, as we sort of did a little bit last week. Get into the the gist of it, but you know, bowls used to be a reward for having a successful season. Uh, you know, you go back to when you and I were were growing up. Uh, vi- victory in that in that era, as as far as uh, you know, maybe I gosh, I can remember when you had may- maybe a dozen bowls or less. And so it was a reward for a team to have uh, – uh, uh, back in those days, they played 10-game schedules. So you'd go 8-2 and two or 9-1, and one, and you'd get a nice little trip to Miami or Southern California or, or places of, of that ilk uh, to get a nice reward over uh, the holiday stretch. Now it's almost uh, a foregone conclusion that uh, over 60 percent of the teams that play the uh, uh, F, uh, FBS football are going to make it to some sort of postseason game. Uh, the – the I think the relevance or the significance of even having conference championship games is no longer around because, look, we saw last year Alabama, which didn't even play in much less win its conference championship game, got invited to the uh, four-team field, uh, which sort of throws a lot of – it, it, if you watch the selection show, I think it was the first criterion they use. Conference champions. Well, that doesn't mean anything anymore, so why not do away with conference championship games and use that week as perhaps the first round of a 16-team playoff? Uh, I, I believe 16 would be the fairest. You would invite all the uh, champions of the 10 um, conferences at the FPS level. Uh, if you wanted to uh, use the model used in the FCS level, uh, it was originally sixteen. they expanded it uh, about a decade ago to uh, twenty teams and now it 's twenty four teams so we have a preliminary round to make it into the uh, what is ultimately the field of sixteen. You could do that by maybe having the conference champions of the uh, group of five let's say get involved in that. Are there are any number of ways to uh, expand the playoffs there'd be uh, tons of money involved. One of the points I make is you know if you happen to be an athlete a student athlete, and uh, you're at a, a let's call it an FBS school, and they cut uh, the the swimming program that you've uh, been uh, given a scholarship to and now you no longer have your scholarship. I would wonder if uh, there might be any course of action that some of those uh, uh, athletes could take, some sort of class action to say that the NCAA is denying them the opportunity. They're cutting back their program because they're unwilling to take advantage of the money-raising opportunities that would exist with an extended extended playoff. And the arguments against it don't work. Uh, They talk about... The fact that it would interrupt school time. Well, number one, the bowl season is when school is largely out of session. And number two, it doesn't stop the NCAA from holding the uh, college basketball tournament that involves what would be twice as many teams or actually four times as many teams, 68 teams. And they have midweek games with, with uh, Thursday and Friday games. And, you know, the early games in the tournament, that opening round with a Tuesday and Wednesday games. So the excuses don't fly. The explanations don't fly. I would like to see a 16 team field at, uh, at, at a minimum, you want to add at-large teams and expand it to an NCAA-like tournament, which I think is very difficult given the nature of the sport and the timing involved. But it's certainly something that is very doable, very workable. And the people are denied or are those, uh, people who are, are those uh, students who are having their programs cut uh, for uh, lack of funding and uh, the great uh, majority of the American public who would love to see a true champion with no excuses as to why a team is or is not left out or included.
1: Andy Isco, with his observation on the college football bowl playoffs, the current situation is what it is as opposed to what it could be. We're visiting with Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And Andy, as you do each and every week, if you would, I know our listeners would love to know the update on the current status of what's going on in the Westgate Superbook and the Golden Nugget contests.
4: Yes, Mark, let me start with the uh, Super Contest Gold. That's the $5,000 entry fee, winner take all, 17 weeks, Five selections a week, much like the regular Super Bowl classic. Last week in the Super Contest Gold, the top five selections that most people like to follow referred to as the consensus, mirroring uh, the five plays that you would put in as a contestant. Last week, the consensus in the Super Contest Gold had a poor week going one and four against the spread. The winning selection was the New York Giants getting plus five and a half in their outright upset uh, of the Chicago Bears. Uh, The losing selection included the number one selection in the Super Contest gold, the Atlanta Falcons laying one point to the Baltimore Ravens. The Giants, by the way, were the second most popular selection. The third most popular selection was a losing selection with the Pittsburgh Steelers against the L.A. Chargers. The fourth most popular selection was actually a tie between the Minnesota Vikings, who are getting plus five points in their loss at New England, their 14-point loss at New England, and the Indianapolis Colts, who were laying four points. uh, It's tough to cover a minus four spread when you get shut out, as the Colts did, losing six nothing at Jacksonville. So the one and four record for the week in the consensus for the Super Contest Gold brings the year-to-date record to 34-26-5, still a winning record, 56.2% as the consensus. Itself has garnered 36.5 out of a possible 65 points. In the uh, more traditional Super Contest Classic, as it is now referred to, the consensus was two and three this past week. The winning consensus selections uh, were the number four and number five selections. The Giants were the fourth most popular selection against the Bears. The Patriots, opposite of the uh, uh, consensus selection in the Super Contest Gold. Keep in mind, of course, you're talking over 3,100 entries in the Super Contest Classic to about 120-some-odd entries in the Super Contest Gold, so it's not a surprise that there would be a conflict with such a small field in the Super Contest Gold. Nonetheless, the Patriots uh, did cover uh, laying the five points against Minnesota. The three losing selections in the consensus were the top three selections, the Indianapolis Colts failing to cover in their loss at Jacksonville, the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, failing to cover... In their loss at uh, the char- uh, at home against the Chargers, and the aforementioned Atlanta, Atlanta Falcons uh, losing uh, in their in their uh, game against the Baltimore Ravens. So for the week. The consensus plays were 2-3. and three. That brings the consensus for the season to 34-31, and 31, which is almost exactly that 52.4% needed to break even. Actually, it's 523 as you would lose one-tenth of a unit had you played all 65 consensus selections on a week-to-week basis. For the season, the favorite team, if the, when the favorite team was the preferred selection uh, for the uh, contest, uh, those favorites are 49-59-5 and five against the point spread. That's a percentage of 45. When the underdog was the more popular selection, that record is now 37-37-2, or exactly 50%. And games that were pick the contestants were on the correct side in two of the three games that had pick lines. Interestingly, last week, the favored teams, there were 13 of the 16 games, and the consensus, the majority of the contestants were on the favorite in those 13 of those games, picking the underdog in just three games. And interestingly enough, last week, the underdogs that drew the majority of support were 2-1, as the Bills and Giants uh, were winners in an underdog role, and the Washington Redskins Monday night were the lone loser. For the year, overall, the results are 88 correct 97 incorrect seven games ended in pushes and as a result 47.7 percent is the winning percentage uh for every selection throughout the contest as far as the leaderboards go in the super contest gold the leader has 42 and a half out of a possible 65 points that works out to 65.4 percent success there are actually two co-leaders one is at 41, 21, and three. The other is at 42, 22, and one. And again, it's the points that matter, not the wins uh, or the overall percentage, ignoring the pushes. Pushes are included worth a half point. Uh, there are 31 contestants overall within five points of the lead in the Super Contest Gold. Of course, it is a winner-take-all, but you have to be within five points to have a chance to gain the lead, And uh, although it would be unlucky if you're five points back, uh, unlikely to do. Uh, nonetheless, uh, 57.7% has you within five points, of the lead in the super contest gold in the classic super contest. The one leader has opened up a very nice lead. That one leader is at 49, 16 with no pushes. That's 49 of 65 points. That's slightly better than 75%, 75 75.4% winners 13 weeks into the season. That's 65 out out of what will end up being 85 selections. That's an outstanding performance. And that's good enough to get that lone leader, a two and a half point lead over the contestant in second place who has 40 Six and a half points. Overall, uh, there are seventy-eight contestants who are who would currently have full shares of the one hundred uh, places that uh, pay uh, the pay prize money. Uh, there are thirty-two contestants who are tied for the final twenty. Uh, uh, twenty. Let's see. It's twenty. 22 spots, spots 79 through 100, so they would get partial shares. And just putting that in terms of percentage, to be in a position right now where you would be collecting a full share for the place in which you finish, 63.1% is the required number right now. That's 41 out of a possible 65 points. To collect any sort of prize, including a partial share because you tie with a bunch of others for the final shares, 62.3%, that's 40.5 points. So a little bit over than 62% in order to be cashing right now as far as the golden nugget goes that again is the contest carries a $1,000 entry fee 17 weeks this year everybody participates and you pick 7 picks a week could involve college or pro football sides only, no totals of course for this coming week, the only college game available will be Saturday's Army-Navy game so the contestants this week who uh, have entered the contest with their strength being college football will be challenged because they will have to make at least 6 selections involving NFL games the current leader at the Golden Nugget contest has a record of 60 to up 28 down one push that's 62.5 out of a possible 91 points that's 68.7% this contest pays the top 20 finishers if you finish in 11th through 20th you get your money back if you finish in 1st through 10th you will show a profit of uh, some percentage and it'll be very very nice currently uh, the percentage need to be finishing in the top 20 in ties 62.6% which again sort of mirrors what you need in these super contest classic that was 62.3 right now 62.6 so uh, mirroring what you need to at least be cashing something is uh, very very close in both contests
1: Andy Isco with an update of what's going on in the Las Vegas contests in both the Westgate Superbook and the Golden Nugget contest as well and Andy, before I hand it off to Victor, I know he's got a question he wants to run by you on the show this week as well. Are there any major line moves that you see in the NFL games this week from what Jay Cornegate and the crew at the Westgate sent out last week as opposed to what we'll be looking at this week?
4: I can give you that, Mark. I can also do what we discussed last week, and that is report on what the lines are for week 15. Those are the games that will be played a week from this week. There will be actually Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday games. But looking at week 14, the lines that were put up uh, last uh, uh, last Tuesday, which would have been uh, November 27th, I believe it was, uh, the Jacksonville-Tennessee at Tennessee game, the Thursday night game, Prior to this week's action, Tennessee was a a six-and-a-half point home favorite. Of course, they struggled needing to come from behind to uh, defeat the New York Jets in a non-covering home favorite role. Jacksonville showed up to play for the first time since the early part of the season, shutting out Indianapolis uh, 6-0. That line was adjusted from six-and-a-half to Tennessee favored by five at the open, and the money has come in on Jacksonville. That line is now down to the the Titans on Thursday night favored by four. Baltimore at Kansas City, a game that has playoff implications for both of these teams. Last week, Kansas City was a nine-and-a-half-point home favorite. They went out to Oakland, put 40 points up the board, on the board in a non-covering 40-33 to 33 win as uh, two touchdown favorites. Baltimore, meanwhile, in a game that was right around pick 'em, actually, they went off as a two-to-two-and-a-half-point road underdog in Atlanta. Uh, they controlled that game pretty much from start to finish. As a result, the uh, uh, underperformance by Kansas City, if you will, will the exceeding of expectations by the Ravens had a line instead of nine and a half when that came up. Kansas City was an eight and a half point favorite. And I mentioned that because the action so far has been on the Ravens. That eight and a half is now down to six and a half point. for the by which the uh, Chiefs are favored over the Ravens. Uh, Indianapolis at Houston. Houston was a three-point home favorite, minus 120 last week. Uh, they uh, won their ninth straight game this past week. Uh, Indianapolis uh, was upset. The line has been adjusted over that field goal. In fact, over four line opened at four and a half points for the uh, Houston Texans, and that's pretty much where it remains uh, since the opening. Uh, Carolina, Cleveland, an interesting game. Carolina pretty much on life support as far as making the playoffs. Cleveland uh, showing some improvement that uh, uh, for their fans hopefully will carry over to next year. Last week, Cleveland was actually a one-point home favorite in this game. The line opened pick'em, and the early money has made Carolina a a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Of some interest will be the Atlanta at Green Bay game. The Packers were seven-and-a-half-point home favorites against the Atlanta Falcons. Of course, Green Bay inexplicably lost outright to uh, the Arizona Cardinals at home at Lambeau Field as 14-point favorites. Atlanta lost Uh, Not quite as surprisingly at home to Baltimore. And of course, Mike McCarthy, the longtime Packer coach, fired uh, immediately after that game. The adjustment has been made. So instead of seven and a half, the Packers still open as solid favorites of six. Early money has come in on the Atlanta Falcons. That line now down to five and a half a revenge game for the New Orleans Saints this week they were 11 point road favorites at Tampa Bay Tampa Bay was the team that uh, was the only team to beat them actually opening week of the season 48-40 in New Orleans New Orleans ran off nine straight wins lost last Thursday night to Dallas they were 11 point favorites uh, Tampa Bay uh, played well this past week came up uh, again a bit uh, uh, Disappointing. Some some backers well they they got the money in their game last week. Nine and a half point uh, road favorites. The the uh, are the New Orleans Saints, and that was bet down from nine and a half to uh, uh, to eight. Uh, Looking at uh, one other interesting line move, the New England Patriots were 10.5-point road favorites last week at the Miami Dolphins. Uh, They uh, had a a nice victory over the uh, Minnesota Vikings. Miami, meanwhile, struggled and labored in its 21-17 win over Buffalo, and yet the adjustment is a pretty significant adjustment. The New England Patriots opened at 8.5-point road favorites, been bet down to uh, 7.5. Those are really the line moves of significance. Maybe I'll throw one more in there, and that's Pittsburgh at Oakland Pittsburgh a poor effort for a third straight week, a, a second straight loss. As a matter of fact, uh, last week they were 13 point favorites at Oakland Raiders lost, but played very well in their loss to Kansas City. That line came out with Pittsburgh down to an 11 point road favorite, and that's been bet down to 10 and a half. Now, as far as the week 15 lines, I'll start with the Thursday game. The Kansas, the, excuse me, the, yeah, the Kansas City Chiefs hosting the Los Angeles Chargers. The Chiefs currently four point. Home favorites in that one. Two games on Saturday, the Houston Texans at the New York Jets. The Texans seven-point road favorites. We'll see if they are on a 10-game winning streak or if they end up having that streak broken this weekend. Cleveland at Denver on Saturday. Denver a six-point home favorite. Thus far. On Sunday, Minnesota, an 8.5 point home favorite hosting the Miami Dolphins. The Cincinnati Bengals, 4.5 point home favorites hosting the Oakland Raiders. The Baltimore Ravens are 7 point home favorites hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Dallas will be at Indianapolis in a game that is priced at Pickham. Detroit is at Buffalo in a game that is similarly priced at Pickham. The Chicago Bears will be hosting the Green Bay Packers. The Bears are six-point home favorites in that contest. The Tennessee Titans will be at the New York Giants. Giants, one-and-a-half-point home favorites. Washington at Jacksonville. Uh, This one, and I guess it has to do with the Mark Sanchez replacing uh, uh, backup Colt McCoy, who replaced starter Alex Smith, both of those guys out for injury. Jacksonville, a a six-and-a-half-point home favorite against the Washington Redskins. That's a bit of a head-scratcher to me right now. Not that Jacksonville's favorite, but considering their situation, uh, even going up against a third-string quarterback seems to be a bit of a high price. Arizona at Atlanta, the Falcons, seven-and-a-half-point home favorites. Seattle a seven point road favorite at San Francisco Pittsburgh in the key AFC showdown of the week a one and a half point home favorite against the New England Patriots the Sunday night game will be Philadelphia at the Rams Rams favored by seven and a half and the Monday night contest will have an a- an NFC South matchup New Orleans at Carolina and the Saints favored by six and a half on the road.
2: This is some real good stuff here, guys. Not only are we talking about this weekend's games, but next weekend as well. Very, very nice. I want to get Andy's impression on what sort of a week it was for the sportsbooks. In the NFL uh, last weekend, I'm going to contend that it was potentially the best weekend of the entire season, Andy. Yeah, dogs went 9-7 and seven in the NFL against the spread. Even more important, however... Dogs went 7-9 straight up last week in the NFL. That means in almost half the games, the underdog not only covered the point spread, they won the game outright. We know what that does to kill the exotics, kill the teasers, kill the parlays. Also, we want to point out it was the lowest scoring week of the season in the NFL. Last week's games only averaged 42.7 Five overs, 11 games went under the total, and finally, Andy, even in the primetime games, the underdog won outright on Thursday night in Dallas, the underdog won outright on Sunday night in the Chargers, and the Monday night game, yeah, the favorite covered, but the game went under the total. I'd have to say this was one of the better weekends of the year for sports books in general and pro football.
4: You know, Victor, I hadn't heard that it was an outstanding week, but I heard that it was a winning week. And I think the reason that kept it from being the outstanding week is you still had some of the some of the very popular public teams cover their games. Uh, The uh, uh, New England Patriots, for example, against the Minnesota Vikings, and you also had the Los Angeles Rams returning from there by covering at Detroit. Uh, Kansas City uh, did not cover, but I don't think you see as much action on a double-digit home uh, road. Uh, You did on the Rams playing against uh, another weak team, Detroit, but I think it was the New England Patriots covering against Minnesota, Philadelphia covering on Monday night uh, that kept it from being an outstanding week. However, to your point... If you take a look at the number of teams that or games that involve both teams covering in teaser play, you only had three of those games this week, and it was a full schedule. There are many games this year that we've seen both sides cover in teaser play, so that which, regardless of which side you play, you had a winning team. You had one push this week, and that is if you got Pittsburgh in a teaser, and you played it very late in the week where they were three-point favorites, and you played them in a six-point teaser, they would have pushed. They would have won in a six-and-a-half or a seven-point teaser, I normally track uh, six-point teasers, although uh, there's a there's been a number of differences between six and sevens because six-point teasers, you've actually had something like 11 pushes this year, which would have been wins at six and a half or seven. Of course, you pay a higher VIG at the six and a half or seven than you do at the six-point teaser. I think also uh, your reference to the scoring, the 11 unders and only five overs this week uh, did help. Uh, it was a winning week, but again, I think the fact that you still have some of these very popular teams uh, covering uh, uh, prohibited from being the outstanding week where you had a lot of smaller priced uh, favorites or or should be larger priced favorites losing out right in previous weeks.
1: Andy Isco joining us from Las Vegas addressing Victor King's question on what's going on in Las Vegas as far as the football games go from a sports book standpoint and Andy with that before I let you go I know our listeners would love to know what you've got your eye on for your complimentary play on the NFL card this week.
4: I'm going to go to the game between the Arizona Cardinals and the Detroit Lions, a game that has absolutely no meaning other than the fact that a win by Arizona would tie them with Detroit at four wins on the season, which actually would give them a weaker position in the upcoming NFL draft because the tiebreaker works as far as the losing team having the better position. I don't think that either team is truly concerned about that. I like the way that Arizona has been playing over the last few weeks, uh, especially their ability to run the ball. They made a change in offensive coordinator. Uh, about a month or so ago and we've seen an improvement in a running game that had been absolutely horrible in the early part of the season and yet in the last couple of weeks we've seen them run for 154 and 182 yards in two of their last three games after failing to run for 95 yards in any of their first nine games. Uh, Josh Rosen still a work in progress as he learns the nuances of the NFL game. Uh, the concern that I have for Detroit, they've lost five of six. The lone win was when Carolina opted to go for two instead of going for an extra point and forcing overtime in what turned out to be a 20-19 to 19 Detroit win uh, several weeks ago. Uh, other than that, Detroit had been four and three just prior to midseason. They made that trade, a uh, curious decision to trade Golden Tate to the Eagles. He's had a, clearly an impact uh, with the Eagles, and that uh, may have been interpreted as a signal to the Detroit team that, uh, you know, they've punted on this season that uh, uh, there that, that was a very curious decision because, again, at 4-3 and three, and what's turned out to be a competitive NFC East. Now, Chicago is leading the division, but the teams expected to be powers, Green Bay and uh, Minnesota. Minnesota's playing well, but not outstanding, and Detroit uh, Green Bay, rather, is out of contention. It's also from a fictional standpoint uh, where you've got uh, Arizona returning home after, straight, after two straight road games, including last week's upset win at Green Bay. Meanwhile, Detroit Detroit goes to the road after three straight home games uh, the last two of which were losses the other one being that uh, that win over Carolina I think it's a good spot for the Arizona Cardinals who continue to play hard Uh, I'm going to look for Arizona to win this game outright getting plus two and a half is nice I'll hang around and see if it moves up to three I'm not sure it will although it did open at one and a half so the early movement was on Detroit Uh, but regardless uh, if I can't get the three I'll take the two and a half and I'll also make part of the play on the money line this week on the Arizona Cardinals
1: Andy Isco on the Arizona Cardinals against the road week Detroit Lions. He'll play them plus the points for his complimentary play on the show this week. And Andy, once again, a great job on the show as always. I'm going to wish you the very best of luck this week. And we'll look forward to catching up with you next week here on Mark Lawrence against the spread.
4: Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Victor. I wish the same to you and all of our fine listeners to go out there and have a a great uh, week as the fourth quarter of the NFL season begins.
1: That was Andy Esco joining us. And don't go away, guys. When we come back, I'll share with you my awesome angle of the week, along with my complimentary play victors as well. When we're back with the final segment here on Mark Lawrence against the spread. <laughs>
0: Need, Guaranteed. That's mybookie.a As in Apple and G as in games. Tell them Mark Lawrence sent you. Only the biggest, only the best.
3: Only at mybookie.ag. Sign up today. And now, the moment you've been waiting for. From the hot South Florida sun, it's Mark Lawrence with his aw- 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 awesome angle of the week.
1: All right, guys, let's get to it. Our awesome angle of the week in the National Football League on Sunday. We call it 10th Degree. And what we're looking to do is to play on any NFL home team that is a home dog or a favorite of seven or less points, not favored by more than seven points, who's coming off a straight-up home loss as a favorite of minus 10 or more, if they're taking on an opponent, that's not off a double-digit loss. Once again, a home team not favored by more than 7 points coming off a home loss in which they would lay 10 or more points. Their opponent is not coming off a double-digit loss. Teams in this role are 13-2 against the spread, dating all the way back to 1980. That's an 87% winning angle we'll play on the Green Bay Packers this Sunday for our awesome angle play on the football card. And with that, Victor, I'm going to hand it off to you for your complimentary play, and if you would... Let our listeners know what you've got on tap at King Creel Sports this weekend.
2: You know, we talked earlier about the fact that uh, NFL games uh, went under at a pretty high percentage last week. That's not surprising, given the fact that in the month of December, the last four, in some cases five games, depending on the calendar, go under the total at a pretty high percentage in the NFL, particularly in division matchups. With that said, we're going under with, uh, it looks like it's going to be three to four games this week in the NFL. There is only one game this week that I like over the total, and we'll have that uh, over of the week available at the playbook.com website. We'll have that posted online uh, sometime on Friday. And for our free play this week, Mark, we're going to the late afternoon kickoffs, And we're going under the total in the Steelers-Raiders game. The over-under line right now, 51 and a half. And uh, that is anywhere from five to six points too high. I say that because uh, by now, if you're a sharp over-under better, you know that when the Steelers are playing at home, we always consider the over first. When they're on the road, we always consider the under first. In fact, they're the NFL's best Under team on the road in the last five seasons, Uh, Pittsburgh has also gone one and eleven over under uh, as road favorites of greater than a field goal in this game, and they are certainly favored by that. At last, look ten and a half to eleven point favorite against the Oakland Raiders, a series in which five of the last six meetings have indeed gone under the total and have been historically low scoring, only thirty four point seven points per game when Pittsburgh matches up against Oakland uh, in the NFL regular season, 34.7. Oakland Raiders 1-6 and six now, their last seven games against 700 or greater opponents. I told you about Pittsburgh numbers as a road favorite. They're 0-6 on the road against any AFC West opponent, their last six opportunities. And what kind of seals the deal for me is And I mentioned this in the totals tip sheet this week is the fact that Pittsburgh appears to be the biggest road favorite on the board this week. Again, if you're a sharp over-under player, you know that any team favored on the road by eight or more points is a strong under-candidate. It makes a lot of sense from a game flow or game script perspective. The big, big favorite gets out to a big lead. In the second half, they sit on the ball. They play offense conservatively. They get out of there with a big road win. That should be the case this week for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Not quite playing with a full deck. James Conner won't be playing this week for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But anyway, from the database, Mark, NFL big road favorites of 10 or more points have gone 2-16 over-under in the last five seasons. When the over-under line is less than 54 points, this game qualifies. It's at 51.5. I think it's about five to six points too high. We'll go under the total with the Steelers-Raiders game. And don't forget our NFL over of the week. It'll be up at the playbook.com website sometime on Friday.
1: Victor King, King Creole Sports, on the heels of that big over-under total winner last week with his NFL over-total play of the week available at playbook.com. A great stat in the... Pittsburgh-Oakland game, double-digit road favorite staying under that total for his complimentary play. Before I get to my complimentary play, once again, a quick reminder to order your copy now of the Playbook College Bowl Stat Report. It'll be available a week from Wednesday. That's Wednesday, December 13th, the College Football Bowl Stat Report with every stat, fact, and trend you'll need just in time for the bowl games available online at playbook.com. While you're there, you can also sign up for my NFL five-star game of the month going this weekend. It's part of a $69 fan appreciation week of winners. Get every release I make this weekend from Saturday through Monday for just $69, including the five-star game of the month. Or better yet, join me for my double 10-star December special package offer with every NFL and college play I make through the New Year's Day bowl games for our double 10-star December You can sign up now online at playbook.com or call my office toll-free for fast, friendly customer service at 1-800-321-7777. My complimentary play on the football card this week, I'm going to hold my nose and play the Washington Redskins against the New York Giants this week, even with Mark Sanchez at quarterback. And that's part of the reason we're backing the Redskins in this game. We like backing teams with backup quarterbacks making their first start for the team Washington will be doing just that surrounding themselves around Mark Sanchez this particular week. The New York Giants come into this football game just 3 and 12 straight up in the last 15 road games. And in fact, when the Giants have gone out as road favorites, they're just 5 and 8 straight up in against the spread the last 13 times they've done just that. The Giants are on a 3 and 2 winning run the last 5 football games, but They've been outstanding in four of those five football games. Winning games with smoke and mirrors of late are the New York Giants. The Washington Redskins 10-5 and 5, 5, their last 15 times as a division home dog, including a perfect 6-0 and as a division home dog to the spread when the over-under total in the game is 45 or fewer points. With that, we'll play the Washington Redskins, our upset special play from this week's Playbook newsletter, for our complimentary play on the show this week. And that's going to put the final wraps in this edition of Mark Lawrence against the spread. I want to thank our co-host Victor King from King Creole Sports. Our good friend Andy Isco joins us from Las Vegas each and every week for another great job on the show this week. And until next week, for my good friend Jack Reynolds, we know is listening from above. This is Mark Lawrence reminding you to always remember to bet with your head, not over it. And good luck as always.